0: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the John Wesley Powell River History Museum in Green River. Presenting the exhibit, Glen Canyon A River Guide Remembers, which recalls lost landscape and canyon characters inspired by Utah environmentalist Ken Slight. Opening May 5th. Details at GlenCanyonExhibit.com. Thanks for joining us today for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We have an opportunity to reach into the archives and bring you one of our favorite episodes. And today, A.J. Jacobs. You may know him from The Know-It-All and The Year of Living Biblically. In his uh, recent book, It's All Relative Adventures Up and Down the World's Family Tree, he tackles the hot topic of genealogy, does it with a typical, uh, in a typical fun style. For example, he attempts to convene the world's largest family reunion. And he says it'd be like Woodstock, except with more clothes and more deodorant. (laughs) It's a lot of fun talking to A.J. Jacobs. Here's the conversation first broadcast in November of last year. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Best-selling author A.J. Jacobs has received some strange emails over the years, but this note was perhaps the strangest. You don't know me, but my wife is your eighth cousin. We have over 80,000 relatives of yours in our database. That's enough family members to fill Madison Square Garden four times over. Who are these people, A.J. Jacobs wondered, and how do I find them? So began his three-year adventure along the branches of the world's family tree. Along the way, he drinks beer with U.S. president He visits Salt Lake City in the genealogical database of the Mormon Church. He meets scientists and computer programmers working to chart and understand the world's genetic links, and he attempts to convene the biggest family reunion in recorded history. His latest book is called It's All Relative, Adventures Up and Down the World's Family Tree. A.J. Jacobs is author of four uh, bestsellers, including The Year of Living Biblically. He's a contributing editor to Escore's Magazine. He's a contributor to NPR, hosts a podcast called Twice Removed, given several TED Talks, lives in New York City, with his uh, wife and three sons. You can find him online at ajjacobs.com. A.J. Jacobs, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Tom. Great
0: to be here. Uh, let's see. You're sounding a little muffled. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hold
1: on. I'm sorry. Let me try this. Is this any better?
0: Yeah, that's that's sounding better. That's uh, unmuffled. Um, so, okay. yeah, sure. yeah, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, this is... Um, uh, your previous books very interesting. This one hits upon something that's, uh, I think, listed among the uh, you know the top uh, hobbies uh, in the world uh, on a regular basis. But uh, you're saying even with the popularity, there's been an explosion. There's an ongoing explosion of interest in in genealogy in several different ways. And you've uh, you've jumped in with both feet here. Uh, tell me about this this email that you got from uh, apparently a, a relative.
1: Right, yeah. As you say, it was a very strange email. Uh, You don't know me, but I'm your eighth cousin. And I was immediately suspicious. I figured, okay, he's going to ask me to wire $10,000 to a Nigerian bank account. But it turns out he was legitimate, and he is an obsessive genealogist, and he is one of these people who is helping to build these family trees that are just epic, that are beyond what I what I ever imagined because they're not hundreds or thousands of people some of them are millions of people all from dozens of countries um, all sorts of ethnicities and they're all connected on this uh, massive family tree and I was immediately uh, intrigued uh, more than intrigued I was fascinated because I always thought genealogy you know was kind of interesting but it seemed a little stodgy. Um, sort of like Needlepoint, no offense, my mother is a big big fan (laughs) of Needlepoint, but uh, as soon as I dove in just a little, I realized how thrilling genealogy is, especially nowadays, and how it's having a huge impact on every part of our lives, from politics to health, race relations, identity, you name it. So I thought, this has got to be my next book. Mm.
0: In fact, you you went, you've gone to several conventions, and as you say, uh, uh, participants in genealogical conventions won't be uh, confused with the participants in Coachella. So, there, so some of the, you know, some of the stereotypes are true, but but it but it is really exploding. Uh, people from all walks of life are getting interested here. Uh, so there there are t- uh, two factors that are really revolutionary. The first is collaborative genealogy. Tell me a bit about that.
1: Yeah. And you're right, I I loved going to these conventions, and I visited your city uh, several times, and I spoke at the biggest genealogy convention, RootsTech, probably to the biggest crowd I'll ever speak to, 8,000 people. I was the warm-up guy for Donny Osmond, so that was quite That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, why not? A very, uh, very, fun. and and people were okay. They weren't like looking at their watches, saying, "Where's Donny?" <laughs> they paid attention. Uh, yes, yeah, so there are a couple of revolutions happening. One, as you say, collaborative genealogy. So think of instead of you building your own little family tree, like a bonsai tree, you are actually one of thousands of people collaborating on a huge uh, jigsaw puzzle that spans the world. Uh, It's sort of along the lines of Wikipedia, uh, where people can uh, all collaborate. Uh, And so this has definitely changed. Uh, It's got its pros and cons. You know, there is the danger of, of it not being accurate, these massive trees. But it's also the benefits are astounding in that you can find relatives second cousins, third cousins, ancestors you never knew you had, Uh, you know, communicate with someone in Bulgaria who has photos of your great-grandfather you never knew existed. Uh, So it is really remarkable. That's one of the big revolutions. And then the other one is this, the DNA revolution, millions of people taking uh, DNA tests, and that is changing things uh, drastically and in a very exciting way.
0: One of your hopes, I know, I'll just quote this from your introduction, uh, you say we're all obsessed with us versus them thinking blue states versus red state, Americans versus foreigners, uh, the list goes on. And then you go on to say, I, I see this trait in myself, and it's, it disturbs me. You're hoping that as we learn that we're all relatives that this can be, I guess, counteracted. So so tell me first of all about, uh, I, I guess sometimes we do get self-righteous. We think, uh, you know, I'm not the problem.
1: Right. Well, I think humans in general, we are tribal. We're like, you know, our side is better than their side. Uh, And it's an understandable feeling, but it's also very destructive. And I think we're seeing that more and more um, because it really isn't us versus them. It's us. There's only us. And we've got to get together to solve these huge worldwide problems. Um, So, yeah, the hope is. And it's a little idealistic, but there's some science behind it. The hope is that once we think it sinks in really concretely and scientifically how close we all are, how we are really are one big family, then maybe we'll be more willing to work together. And one study that was very exciting was just a year ago from Harvard, and they told Palestinians and Israelis, they showed them how closely they were related, and the... It changed their point of view. They became more open to negotiating, kinder to each other. So I think there is a, there is a way that this sort of this family bias, if we can apply it to the whole world, uh, it might help.
0: So some some hope there. Uh, by the way, this I think this was this the study sent to you by your brother-in-law with whom you had just uh, had a uh, an argument.
1: <laughs> That is true. The irony is, of course, that uh, yeah. my hope is that family can bind us together, um, and yet I had a, a huge blowout argument with my brother-in-law about this very topic. Um, and But then, the good news is we reconciled when he sent me this article that sort of backed up my point. So he was the bigger man. He took the high road.
0: <laughs> Yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes in the book. You're arguing; you are family arguing about whether family brings us <laughs> together. Um, and
1: and this is so true.
0: this is the brother-in-law who uh, likes to say, "I think what you mean to say is he's, <laughs> just, uh, right. you say he's infuriating. Yeah,
1: he is. He's brilliant and uh, and funny and smart and infuriating. Uh, mm-hmm. And he says things like, uh, "He's a character in all of my books." He's sort of a the the villain the lovable villain but the villain he says things like humans are a fascinating species and I'm like you are human you realize that you're not apart from us
0: <laughs> uh, I wonder uh, maybe we could bring in a couple of the other studies here you know this is from near the end of the book here and it brings it to a hopeful conclusion maybe. We'd at the beginning of the conversation here. You mentioned that the Israelis and Palestinians, if, if they discover they're related, then it, it has an effect. There was an interesting study that you found where um, if uh, a picture is altered to make it look like you, you're, more, you're better disposed toward a person.
1: Right, uh, because you think that they're probably more related. And from an evolutionary point of view, it totally makes sense. You know, we want our DNA... To propagate—that's the whole point of our our genes. So anyone who's really closely connected, uh, we're going to favor. Which, as I say, it makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint. But from like the making the world a better place, it's not really a great model uh, because it means the people who look different from us or who are, you know, sixtieth cousins instead of first cousins. Uh, that we we just don't care about them as much, um, but now that the world is all connected, that's just not feasible anymore. That's not a good way to go about life.
0: You've written that as an organizing structure, family has its costs and its benefits. What are what are the what are the costs and what are the benefits?
1: Well, I mean, here's a thought experiment that I talked about in the book: is if I have three kids. So if someone came to me, uh, an evil villain, and said uh, okay, if you can either kill one of your kids or kill ten strangers uh, I wouldn't even think about it. I'd kill the ten strangers. I'd feel guilty about it. I'd feel terrible, but it's so deeply embedded in my uh, human nature that I would save my own child. Uh, so, Which uh which is can be problematic because it means that we are putting those who are close to us genetically uh, over the common good. Uh, so I don't propose that we get rid of family. It's too uh, it's too close to our human nature. We'll we unless we unless there's some you know uh, we change brains. There's no way you can get rid of it. But you can start to try to think of widen your sense of who is family. So, uh, make it not just your, the people who are, uh, you know, your kids and, and uncles, but, uh, the people who live on uh, in your town, the people who are in your state, in your country, in your hemisphere, in the world. And that is, that is sort of the more evolved way, uh, I try to think. It's a struggle. It is a struggle because I'm human,
0: but I try. Let's take a break when we come back. More with AJ Jacobs. His new book uh, is "It's All Relative: Adventures Up and Down the World's Family Tree." And after the break, I'll, I'll have you introduce us to uh, one of your guides along this uh, this, this this adventure, um, Randy Schoenberg. Um, oh and, yeah. And uh, the world's family tree. And uh, to have you tell us about uh, some of the people you're related to and we're probably related to as well. Uh, more following the break.
1: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Utah Humanities, empowering Utahans to improve their communities through active engagement. Online at UtahHumanities.org.
0: This is Professor Beth Fouth for Bringing More to Life. What is empathy? It includes taking your aging parents' perspective and recognizing your parents' view as their truth, staying out of judgment, recognizing emotions and communicating that understanding to them. It is feeling with another person. It's being vulnerable to that same hurt or loneliness or loss they are expressing. Being empathetic takes time and effort. In our busy days as we balance our needs with the needs of our parents, it can be lost. Sharing feelings can bring more to their life in ways you never knew.
1: Support for Bringing More to Life on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and the Sunshine Terrace Foundation and Logan. Advancing wellness, independence, dignity, and comfort. Information at sunshineterrace.com.
0: Thanks for listening to Utime, Tom Williams, my guest for the hour, is bestselling author A.J. Jacobs. You are likely are familiar with his books, The Year of Living Biblically, The Know-It-All, and Drop Dead Healthy. The latest book is It's All Relative, Adventures Up and Down the World's Family Tree. And on this adventure, he drinks beer with a U.S. president. He visits Salt Lake City. Um, he meets scientists and computer programmers working to chart and understand the world's genetics links, and he attempts to convene the biggest family reunion in recorded history. As we go along, we'll ask him how that went. Um, A.J. Jacobs uh, lives in uh, New York City. You can find him at ajjacobs.com. Uh, so, A.J. Jacobs, um, you uh, you got interested in this uh, this, uh, this cryptic email from a turns out to be a relative in Israel, and uh, you you. Need some guides along the way, one of the people you turn to is uh, Randy Schoenberg, who is uh, i get it I take it related to the composer
1: right He's the grandson of the composer Arnold Schoenberg, and he was one of my guides one of the the parts of this book researching this book that I loved is just meeting all of these fascinating people so Randy i you know I spent a lot of time with uh, with Mormon uh, experts who helped me tremendously um I loved a guy who uh is named Ron ahrens who he goes to convention genealogy conventions dressed in a black and white prison suit, and his whole business model is he'll research the criminals in your family tree <laughs> uh, so but Randy is a fascinating character he's really one of the big players in these collaborative family trees uh the what that we were talking about earlier, where you have millions of people connected. So he was the one who gave me a crash course in websites like Genie and Family Search and Wikitree and how uh, it's almost like the ultimate social network. It's almost like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but everyone is Kevin Bacon. So I would you could type someone into a search bar in Genie, for instance. Like
0: uh,
1: I typed in Barack Obama, and uh, the computer does its calculating it takes like a minute because there's so much data and then it out pops how i'm connected i am barack obama is my fifth great aunt husband's brother's wife seventh great nephew (laughs) that is the literal so we're practically brothers we're (laughs) quite close um but i do love this uh this way that we are able to see concretely the links that bind us all and it's actually turned out to be quite useful because for the book I wanted to interview a lot of interesting people uh, who have interesting families, and I, I wanted to interview the elder Bush, George H.W. Bush. I approached his uh, chief of staff who said, no, nah, he's not doing interviews. And then I said, well, okay, I understand, but let me just tell you, he is my third cousin's great aunt's fourth four time removed. And she's like, oh, well, okay, you know, since you are related, let me see what I can do and I actually got the interview.
0: You got the interview. How how did that go?
1: Oh, it was great. I love talking to him and, uh, and his wife, Barbara, who gave me part of the reason was I interviewed all these people about the meaning of family and how to be a good family member, and she gave me some good marital advice that I still try to follow today. She said Ev- each member, each spouse should try to do 75, put in 75%. Because we're biased, so our seventy-five percent is probably like really like fifty percent. So go the extra mile, even if you think uh, you're doing more than you should. So I try to follow that. I don't go full seventy-five percent, but maybe sixty-five percent. Okay,
0: yeah. Have you gotten feedback from your from your wife on how you're how you're doing with that?
1: (laughs) Uh, She says I'm doing. She says. uh, stop doing a book tour and get back here and uh (laughs) and help out right but other than that i'm doing a little better
0: yeah uh who who else are you i I imagine you had fun and people could go to world's family tree right or genie right that's the or their other sites um and type in so who who else did you type in
1: well i typed in you know albert einstein that was exciting uh you know, I am Jewish, so anyone who's an Ashkenazi Jew is actually quite closely blood-related to me, because we are a uh, endogamous population, which is a polite word. We, uh, we did a lot of inbreeding. Uh, but it's a double-edged sword, because I also am related to Jeffrey Dahmer, the serial killer. But I will say that's on my wife's side, <laughs> and, uh, so I, I try to make sure to remind
0: her of that. By the way, the, this guy that goes uh, to conventions dressed in the the prison uniform—what's he? I guess he's trying to make the point that uh, we're all we're proud of connections, but we all have uh, skeletons in the closet too.
1: Exactly, and I think it's is a very useful point to realize. Uh, it gives us a little more forgiveness, um, and to realize everyone's got their good and bad ancestors, and uh, and even more than that that we don't, we're not beholden to our ancestors' sins. We can to start anew, we can be our own people, and we don't have to, uh, just because our ancestors are evil, we don't have to be evil. And there's actually the favorite study of any genealogist is a great study from Duke University that talked about how kids who know genealogy, knew their family history, are more... Uh, well-adjusted, and happier than those who don't. And the psychologists who conducted the study talk about the reason is it's not just memorizing the dates of your great-grandparents' birth. It's because you need to tell your kids the good and the bad, the ups and the downs, the struggles, that your family has had successes, but it's also had setbacks, and you have to persevere. And it gives kids the sense of resilience and grit that is just so important to their happiness.
0: One of the impulses here, you write in the book, you you know, you're looking up the you know the, the branches, your ancestry, but you also got thinking about uh, your descendants. You, you've got three three kids, right? You got thinking out through uh, through through that way,
1: right? I think, uh, I, and then th- that's the other thing that I try to remember is that my, if the human race survives, fingers crossed, um, that if it thrives another few hundred years, all of our descendants will be really interrelated. And, um, and that we should, uh, you know, we should try that. there's that, that lovely notion of the seventh generation. Uh, it's a Native American notion that we should, when we do something, we should think, how does it reverberate down the generation um, I'm embarrassed to say I learned about the idea from uh like an eco friendly uh uh you know diaper company that's called <laughs> seventh generation <laughs> but it's uh I looked into it more and it is a wonderful way to think because uh yeah it's not just us it's our it's our great 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 grandkids that we should try to be uh, aware of.
0: Mm. Uh, you uh, you're also related i guess a lot of people are to kevin bacon let you mentioned the 6 degrees of kevin bacon <laughs> so right I don't, I don't know if you're 6 yeah, degrees everyone. away but uh
1: it, it's quite remarkable to be figure out how you're related to almost everyone on earth and also i think that's one of the big changes in genealogy is that when it started it was it was a pretty elitist uh hobby you know, proving that I'm descended from uh, royalty and you're not, therefore you cannot join my country club. Uh, that was sort of a very separatist, elitist idea. Nowadays, it, a lot of people are turning that on its head, showing that we are all related uh, and showing that uh, we all have good ancestors and bad ancestors, and uh, that we share 99.9% of our DNA with everyone else on Earth. Uh, So it's actually a very inclusive hobby now, which I love.
0: I want to talk about implications, and you you list off some some implications um, of of the fact that we're all related, and it's becoming more and more clear. You know, you can type into the world's family tree. Uh, But I want um, to—you also talk about some—well, just call it the ick factor— one 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 of the name one of the names that came back, along with Albert Einstein, was your wife.
1: Yes, I knew you were going there from your setup. Uh, <laughs> yes, that is. Um, uh, since we are all cousins, it logically follows that we all did marry our cousins. And uh, I, my cousin Julie, we're both Ashkenazi Jews, so we're actually quite. Oh, we're about six cousins, I would say. I actually, when I found this, I, I was amused. I brought it in to my wife, and I said, look, honey, we're related. I thought it would spice up our marriage. She was freaked out. She did not approve. Um, but again, it was sixth or seventh cousins, so there's really no effect on birth defects uh, uh, or anything like that. Uh, Weirdly, she was watching The Game of Thrones when I told her, which I was (laughs) kind of appropriate since that's a big theme in that show. Uh, But yeah, this is um, it. it, It's fascinating to read about the history of cousin marriage, and I have a chapter on that in the book. Uh, Charles Darwin married his first cousin, Edgar Allan Poe. Lots of royals married their first cousins. What? Eighty percent, according to a uh, anthropologist at Rutgers, eighty percent of humans throughout history married their second cousin or closer, which just blew me away. Like that is a crazy statistic, but it's because for most of human history, we lived in these very small tribes, and you married whoever was nearby.
0: Hmm. I want to talk about uh, implications uh, if if we're all related. If that becomes more clear through collaborative genealogy and through DNA. Um, one of the implications you talk about is, is perhaps this is bad news for bigots, you would hope, maybe.
1: Right, that is certainly my hope, and because it does really reveal that we are all mutts. Uh, one of the uh, advisors in my book that I, I, I interview and sort of gives me guidance, Henry Louis Gates, the Harvard professor, host of Finding Your Roots. And uh and as he likes to say, there's no such thing as racial purity. We are all a mix. The average African American has twenty four percent um European DNA. I myself uh have this I thought was interesting, I am I am ninety seven percent Jewish, but I am two and a half percent Arab. So I have the Middle East conflict within my body. And uh and i am still alive so hopefully you know i can uh, i can <laughs> be a uh, an inspiration that uh, we can coexist. Hmm. Uh,
0: another effect that you you talk about uh, brings history alive i guess that um and that that heritage that you were talking about this duke study that's that's another part of this i guess if we, the kids right. learn, learn about their heritage both good and bad then that that helps to develop
1: grit. Yeah that is, and also just reading, I love to tell my kids about the one of the most moving parts of genealogy to me is reading about the struggles of your ancestors. And my father's father, for instance, I knew he was poor, but until I interviewed my grandf- my father and my aunt, I just I didn't know the extent of it. The fact that he, his mother, so that would be my great grandmother, would give him a nickel uh at the start of the day and he could either take the bus to school or he could buy lunch but he couldn't afford to do both if he if he walked to school he would be be beaten up by the neighborhood thugs. if he took the bus he wouldn't he would be hungry and wouldn't be able to eat and it's just this type i feel so blessed and lucky that i i my He worked so hard that I don't have to make decisions like that. And so I do try to tell that to my kids. Um, Sometimes they roll their eyes, as kids will do, but uh, I'm hopeful that on some level it sinks in just how lucky they are that our ancestors sacrificed so much.
0: If you just joined us, we're talking with best-selling author A.J. Jacobs. The latest book is It's All Relative, Adventures Up and Down the World's Family Tree. Um, So, uh, A.J. Jacobs, I wonder... what other implications uh, there are from the, from this the, these the, this rapid advance in this understanding hopefully this understanding that we are are all inter- interconnected
1: uh well it's it's going to be a fascinating world especially with all of these um uh DNA tests uh which will provide uh a lot of wonderful news, but also a lot of disconcerting news. And one of my favorite chapters in the book is about a uh, a Mormon man, actually, who grew up with, he had nine uh, siblings. And it turns out after DNA testing, as an adult, they figured out that they were from nine different fathers. They all assumed that they had come from the one father, but he actually had sired none of them. And, uh, so it was like the Maury Povich show to the ninth degree. (laughs) And he, uh, what I found inspiring about this, I mean, it is, it is titillating in some sense, but it was also an inspiring story because he was able to reframe it and say, I have all of these new relatives now. Isn't it wonderful? He forgave his mother. He said, she's, obviously has huge flaws, but she's also had some good parts uh his father, I think of as one of the great heroes of all time because his father knew apparently knew that these kids were not his biological offspring but still treated them with love uh as if they were so uh it's going to be really interesting as the, we all start taking DNA tests as i say you're gonna you're gonna find out some. Good and bad information, and it's all how we process it. So this guy to me is a real um, inspiration.
0: Yeah, I guess that's you're taking what could be your very bad news and uh, spinning it positively. That's a
1: good exactly. way to handle it. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, I wonder if you could talk about the uh, your your trips to uh, to Utah. Obviously, if you're doing a book about genealogy, you're you're probably going to want to. Uh, you know come to utah to go to roots tech uh talk to mormon church officials uh, you you did all of the above including singing with the mormon tabernacle choir <laughs>
1: exactly yeah as uh, as you know uh salt lake city is the mecca for uh genealogy and uh the uh, lds church is the uh is sort of the golden state warriors of genealogy i mean the amount this statistic blew me away uh that The, uh, the Mormon, uh, the Mormons add more data to their database every year than is contained in the Library of Congress. So just the um, sheer amount of research that goes on. And what I find amazing and inspiring is that, uh, the Mormon Church is not secretive with this data. That is open to the public. You can see it on FamilySearch. You can go to the um, the, the family research libraries and get it, which uh, I think is a huge gift to the world. So I thank them for that. Um, and yeah, they were extremely helpful. They agreed with the idea of uh, that we're one big family, uh, and they let me sing with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, which was crazy. They did. They didn't let me. I, I did it for a rehearsal. I think they wanted to keep me away from prime time. Mm. Probably a good idea, but they invited me to have the experience, which is wonderful because this book is all about community and uh, you know uh, harmony. And this was the literal version of you know mm. I want to like the 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 old uh, Coke ad. I want to buy the World of Coke and sing in harmony. I don't want to buy the World of Coke. I'm not, you know, very unhealthy. But I like the other part.
0: They didn't let you go to the vault. I guess they don't let anybody go to the the, the vault where they they keep all of the, you know, the records.
1: Right. No, I did not make it. And the vault, as as most of your listeners might know, is this huge um, structure, this hole, this cave in a mountain in Utah, which just has billions and billions of records. So yes, I was I was not allowed in there. I guess you you have to um I don't know what you have to do, but uh but they were incredibly helpful and they you know they let me have access to pretty much everything else. So uh I was very grateful I even at the I went to the um the library in Utah a couple of times And I actually found something that was not online, which was a um, marriage certificate of uh, my second great-grandma in Poland. And uh, it was really moving just to see this piece of paper uh, and that they were... find out the little details. I mean, she was 17 years old and he was 21 years old. To me, like, at the age of 17... I was barely able to, uh, you know, have a, a friendship. I I couldn't decide, you know, I barely could decide on, uh, a, you know, what video game to play. I was not anywhere close to choosing a mate. So um, it is remarkable that uh, what their lives were like, how different life was.
0: You uh, in the book you do address the question. I guess the people might have. Why does the Mormon Church? Why the interest in uh, in genealogy?
1: Right, I talk about that, and you know, I, I'm no expert, so I'm probably oversimplified it vastly. So apologies, but I did get approval. I have a lot of Mormon friends and advisors, and so they said, "This is you got the basic gist." Uh, so they gave it their thumbs up. But yeah, as, as you probably know, it's part of the Mormon theology that um, that. You need to know where you are and uh, to uh, who your family is in order to um, uh, in the afterlife to be able to connect with them. So, uh, yeah, I am not a Mormon myself, but I feel lucky that I benefited from this aspect of their theology.
0: Of course, this goes beyond uh, Mormonism. I wonder w- what you think about what, what the impetus behind this is. There, there has been an explosion of interest. There, you know, television shows and uh, uh, you know books, including now now yours. It uh, d- does seem to be just growing and growing in uh, in popularity and interest.
1: Oh yeah, I mean it is extraordinary. I mean, not just it's TV shows, it's cruises, it's these genealogy conventions like RootsTech, which gets something like thirty thousand people. Um, so it is, and there's one statistic, which I love, uh, business week printed it. It said that genealogy is the second most searched topic on the internet right after porn. So, uh, which I suppose is not surprising, but, uh, it's still, uh, amazing that it is number two. And I think, uh, there are several reasons. One is just this idea that everyone wants to know who they are and where they came from. Uh, it's a way to connect with the past and, and pay tribute to our ancestors. But it's also partly because we are in the golden age. It has never been easier. You used to have to take a train and go to a courthouse in Cleveland and look in some dusty bin to get a, a marriage certificate. So much of it you can do sitting on your couch and uh, and taking DNA tests it's just mind blowing what is available now. Uh, so I think making it that so so much easier has really spurred the boom
0: did you I think you took a DNA test?
1: I did several I oh, took, you, oh you uh, did okay you know, five or six yeah, because there several services out there.
0: Oh, you you use them all, and it's it's really as simple as some saliva. Is that all you need? That's
1: it. You just they send you a kit. You spit the saliva in there. You send it off, and a few weeks later, they will send you a couple of things. Uh, one, they'll send you your supposed ethnic breakdown. So, you know, sixty percent European, twenty three percent East Asian, four uh, percent Native American, what have you. Uh, They'll also send you a list of people who share enough DNA to be your cousins. Like, it'll say, you know, estimated fifth cousin, and it'll have the name of someone else that you can contact. Uh, Some of them have a health aspect, too, saying which genes you have. Um, Now, I find them wonderful. Uh, Just a a couple of caveats uh, to be aware of. One is that they are not totally accurate yet they are, it's still somewhat of an art. Uh, to give you an example, when I took one uh, Ancestry a few years ago, uh, it came back that I was 14% Scandinavian. I was mostly Jewish, but 14% Scandinavian. I was psyched. I was like, all right, break out the cross-country <laughs> skis, let's get some Uh But it turned out it was, a, it was an uh, um, overestimate. And now it's down to it went down to two percent now it's at point one percent scandinavian so i am no longer scandinavian (laughs) um and it's because the databases are constantly evolving so they are getting more accurate but just be a little bit have a little bit of uh, skepticism uh when they say and and don't believe it a hundred percent um and then the other uh caveat is just you know there are concerns about privacy and that in the future a hacker might be able to break in and see exactly what genes you have. Uh, it's a real concern. I don't know what to say about it. I decided that the benefits outweighed the uh, costs, and I went ahead and did it many times, and uh, And I'm hoping for the best.
0: Now, the, the, your, your brief period as a Scandinavian, that illustrates a... Um, um a point that this does fire the imagination, doesn't it? There's something that that, that goes on. You, you, um, I guess uh, for a brief period, proud of your Scandinavian heritage, and, and then no longer <laughs> Scandinavian. You, you belong to that group, and then now you don't. Uh, what if you talk a bit about that? Because it it does. There's something deep within us that uh, I guess wants to belong to a group uh, or several groups, and uh, and it's part of our
1: identity. Exactly, it is. It is really interesting, and it's going to be uh, get more interesting and more complex because you'll have people who say they come back, they're four percent Native American, and they'll say, "Oh, I identify as Native American," or you know, "I want some percentage of the casino profits." And it's going to get very, uh, very complex. Uh, my hope is that we realize that we are all mutts, and that. You know it's good to identify with a group that's fine, but your real identity is human. that should be your number one identity and then the other identities are uh are important but uh but lesser um, and uh because we really do we need to remind ourselves we are ninety nine percent ninety nine point nine percent the same and uh we as a society. As you mentioned in the intro, we've just become obsessed with our differences and separation and, uh, you know, my group is better than your group and it's it's not a way to move forward. And We've got these huge problems like uh, poverty, climate change, pandemic diseases, nuclear uh, war, you know, these are not things you can solve with a bunch of uh, fighting groups. You need to get the whole world united. I sound like uh, I'm from like Woodstock, but uh, I think it, it actually can happen mm-hmm. now. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm optimistic that science and these revolutions can have an impact.
0: Well, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the world's largest family reunion, how that went. Uh, I think you, and you mentioned Woodstock in the book. I believe you say that your hope for the World's Family Reunion would be like Woodstock, except with more pants and deodorant, I think, was your your (laughs) line. Um,
1: Yes, I did not want any nudity, but I I like the other vibe. Uh,
0: So let's talk about that when we come back. Our guest is A.J. Jacobs. His latest book is It's All Relative, Adventures Up and Down the World's Family Tree. More following this break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Cache Valley ENT and the Allergy Clinic with providers, doctors, oh, with providers, doctors Wood, Benyon, and Blotter and PA Lindsay Humes practicing ear, nose, and throat medicine. Allergy services and facial plastic and reconstructive surgery. (music) 753-7880. next time on philosophy talk in praise of love Plato's symposium meets bernstein's serenade the symposium is the most memorable philosophical work ever written on love and leonard bernstein's serenade is a gorgeous violin concerto inspired by the symposium
1: tune in as we look for the philosophy in bernstein and the music in plato
0: in praise of love next time on philosophy talk
1: join us tomorrow at 4 a.m on utah public radio
0: Thanks for listening to access i time Tom Williams. we reached our last segment with best-selling author A.J. Jacobs. You uh, likely remember him from uh, books such as The Year of Living Biblically. His latest book is It's All Relative, Adventures Up and Down the World's Family Tree. By the way, before we get into the world's largest family reunion, um, on your website, which is ajjacobs.com, uh, there's an interesting article headlined. This is from 2014. Obama has 44 cousins in the Senate. Now, can't we all just get along? This is interesting. Uh, kind of uh, taking off from a uh, who we knew, I guess, was a, a relative, a second cousin who was running for uh, the Senate in Kansas, I believe, and then, then he lost. Um, and, and then uh, you, you looked it up, and he has 44 cousins, or he had, I guess, right. well, still has 44 cousins, not, including Ted more. Cruz.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, they are all related and uh and now thanks to the research it's actually 100 we figured out how every single member of the Senate is related and um hopefully they can uh then take a look at that and uh maybe get be a little more efficient uh than they are right now mm-hmm. with just screaming at each other.
0: Yeah, I guess and and so therefore they're all related to each other probably, right? Uh, so
1: Oh, exactly, right. Uh,
0: So I guess that shows the limitations of (laughs) this idea. They're still screaming at each other
1: (laughs) at this point. Right. Yeah, it's not—I mean, uh, I have a whole chapter in the book about the Hatfields and the McCoys and family feuds, and that is, of course, a a huge problem. I loved talking to the descendants, though, because the McCoy descendant I found had actually engineered a reunion and a treaty, between the Hatfield's and the McCoys and that they get along now they had a uh, with, within limits because they had instead of shooting each other they had uh, an annual softball game and one of the uh, and the, the Hatfield's thinks the McCoys cheated and brought in a ringer so uh, yeah you'll still get some uh, friction but overall they've made great strides and their point is if the Hatfield's and McCoys can do it anyone can do it
0: yeah, that's uh, that's that's some hope anyway, right? Um right. so tell us about this this uh, this idea, the world's uh, largest family reunion. You uh you plan it throughout the book. You, you have little um sections of uh, your uh, a lot of it is your stress, your worry that it's all going to fail horribly.
1: <laughs> um apparently <laughs> well, apparently did not right, fail horribly. I
0: mean, so tell yeah, us about that. It
1: was- was highly, str- I mean, as you say, part of the book is a, a memoir, part is a how-to for genealogy, part is science, but part is this sort of this thriller of my attempt to put on the largest family reunion, because I thought when I figured out I'm related to all seven billion people on Earth, I thought, well, why not throw a little party for my family? Um and I, you know, I invited seven billion. No, I won't do any spoilers. So I won't say what the final attendance was. But it was not a hundred percent. It was not a hundred. We didn't mm. get seven billion. But um, the idea was to bring all these people together in New York, but also at simultaneous reunions around the world. We had forty, including in Salt Lake City, where they were, had an amazing turnout. Um, because I, you know, the Mormons are some of the greatest organizers in the history of humanity. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, we had. Uh, it, I won't. I won't give away all the ending, but I will say it was the strangest day of my life. <laughs> Just looking around at the crowd that came to New York, we had uh, celebrities and scientists and athletes. We had a, a rabbi a minister and a Buddhist monk. So it was almost like the setup to a joke. Uh, And we did have a bar. We did have alcohol. So you could say they walked into a bar. And uh, it was actually very moving. Um, I'm not a hugger myself, but there was a lot of spontaneous hugging going along uh, among cousins who had never met each other. And uh, we had speakers like Henry Louis Gates. So it, it um, it was a remarkable... Uh, event. I am still recovering. I think I am still because, as you say, it was the most stressful day of my life. Um, you know, throwing a party, going to a party can be fun. Throwing a party is not so fun,
0: especially on that scale. Uh, but you, but you, <laughs> but you say that a lot of people. I guess were receiving this in the way that you wanted them to.
1: Oh yeah, it's is really heartening and inspiring that people really did seem to uh to connect to the idea. And yeah, I mean, I had never I've I've done a lot of experiments on myself for my books, like trying to be as healthy as possible or live by the Bible. I had never really tried to start a movement or get thousands of people involved. So it was totally new to me, intimidating, foreign, overwhelming, uh but also uh amazing. And, and hopefully it sunk in with my kids that you you have to engage in the world. You know, you can't just stay by yourself and, and focus on you.
0: And you invited you 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 had to invite uh, Sister Sledge, right? We are family.
1: Exactly. I figured they are the perfect and uh guest entertainers. So they actually came and we sang, you know, We Are Family. Uh, you know, the line is, uh, all my sisters and me, and they changed it to all my cousins and me. So that was very exciting. Uh, and Joni Sledge, the leader of the group, actually died shortly after. So we were one of the last performances.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I wonder, we just have oh, about three three minutes left. You have a um, section at the end. Uh, you've learned some things along the way, and people are interested. Uh, some advice. What advice would you give to people who are Jumping into the world of genealogy.
1: Right. Yes, the book has a, an appendix co written by a, a, a professional genealogist and Mormon named Eowyn Langhoff. Langhoff, great woman. Um, and it's got basically what, what we found to be the most helpful uh, uh, resources. And there are many. There's um, a great web websites like FamilySearch, but also DNA companies. One thing that seems so simple, but I really feel strongly about it, is please interview your parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles as soon as possible. You can go on the website, the web, and search for oral history questions. There's a lot of lists of great questions, but these people have treasures in their mind that we are going to lose unless we interview them and and record it. So uh, that was my big plea. Um, I I will say another amazing revolution in genealogy now is the access we have to uh, newspaper archives going back hundreds of years. So you can plug your relatives in and Chances are something will come up, and uh, it's really—it just gives you a sense. Instead of the names and dates, you get the stories. You get even something as simple as seeing, "Oh, my uh, my great grandfather won a tennis tournament in in Pittsburgh in 1903." Uh, it made me feel weirdly connected to him.
0: I guess the uh, on a personal level, where the rubber would meet the road in a, in a story about family, ha- has this had effect on your kids? Do they, would they yeah, see the world differently, absolutely. do
1: you think? I, mean, I, I love talking to my kids about it. First of all, just being able to, ha- they can have a personal connection to history. So one of my kids is studying uh theodore roosevelt in history and my great-grandfather his great-great-grandfather ran for congress on the bull moose ticket uh roosevelt part he got crushed he got like maybe two percent of the vote uh so i think it's good on two levels one it connects my son to history and again it reminds him that we struggle with you know there's there's ups and downs and you've got to persevere
0: over's we'll the uh, end of our time very interesting book um and as a cousin as you say it's uh you know it'd be the only polite thing to <laughs> pick up this book and read it it's it's very interesting right. it's it's all relative it adventures up and down the world's family tree the author is a uh, new york times bestseller, uh a j jacobs a j jacobs it's been a pleasure thank you
1: thank you cousin tom
0: thank you cousin a j